0: But even in hard cessationist circles that didn't believe in miracles, once in a while they happened because God cares about his children.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the IRIS Global Green Room. Today, you are in for a treat. You are in for a treat. I have been asking this amazing man, Dr. Craig Keener, to come for for months now, and i can 't believe it uh the star's aligned and he and here you are uh, today
0: watch out for astrology that 's not L- biblical
1: listen i I feel like <laughs> Jesus spoke to the wise men through a star well, that 's true i 'm not a theologian, but I have read that, that was
0: an exception
1: okay well i 'm just saying well, I feel like separate from the magi, yeah. this is number two no'm no. Star- <laughs> <laughs> just kidding no it, we i 'm really, really excited. Uh, I refer to you as a theological juggernaut. What do you think about? Does that, that make sense? Um,
0: I'm, I'm not sure what juggernaut means.
1: A, a theological, uh, uh, I don't know. What's another word for juggernaut? Uh, just You are very well known in the world of theology. You're incredibly respected in the world of theology. And when you called me out of the blue, do you remember this? You don't remember?
0: I, I remember, I, I thought it was a, a, like an email or something. No, you call. called
1: me. I called you. You called me out of the blue. Wow. And my wife was there, uh, who's off camera right now. And I was like, Moose, you'll never guess who just called me. And I said, Dr. Craig Keener. And she was like, who's that? And that's why, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no, uh, I was like, Dr. Craig Keener called. And she was like, wow, that's amazing. And I was like, no, uh, he is like some of the books you have written have marked my life. And we had an amazing conversation, and you you sent me a, a massive box full of your books. And if I if I remember correctly, I think you saw me on Remnant Radio, and I made a statement: I'm not a theologian. And I think you reached out to to Remnant, got my number, and sent me a bunch of books. And I that really marked me. And then fast forward, Asbury Revival, mm-hmm. uh, we got to come up myself and a good friend who's been on the Green Room, Jessica Tate. Came and we got to spend a couple of hours in your house, and honestly, uh, uh, I'm blown away that you're here with us today.
0: You're very kind. It's it's such a privilege for me to be here with you. I have so much respect for Iris and just the yeah the global ministry of, of Iris and all of you, your devotion to the Lord, your love for the Lord, the way. God has empowered you to to do His work, so it's a real privilege for me to be here. You wow. you 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 guys do work on the front lines. I'm just in the back, like making supplies. So well, cool. uh, the
1: the beautiful thing about the body of Christ yeah. is that it all works together. Yeah. And one of the things when when I meet with younger people, in fact, I just had this conversation with one of our students, you know, and it was about you know I just want to go and do this. I want to go and pioneer. And I and I shared the story of the people that translate the scriptures in Mozambique, they don't necessarily agree with us, but they'll spend 25 years of their life going through the scripture, translating it into Mm -hmm. the language. And we're actually able to preach the gospel and see the revival because of their life laid down. And we might not agree theologically, but we all work together. It's the body of Christ, the Ecclesia brothers and sisters, iron sharpening iron. And you most definitely have played a major role in in holding a standard and and in my opinion um fighting for for many major issues in the church and yeah. uh, including you know women in ministry which i've read most all of your stuff uh on, on that it blew my mind it actually it, it, i actually went into a deep soul search changed a lot of my my thought process wow. on women in ministry um, was challenged was edified it was incredible as well on i mean some of the stuff that you 've that you 've uh, written on divorce, some of the stuff that you 've written i mean the book of acts commentary alone uh is one of the most intimidating you know foot when you line them up they 're about a foot a foot wide and uh when I left your house uh and and my friend Jessica Tate when we left your house and Dylan my buddy was with me when the three of us left your house we just we just felt so privileged it's it's men it's men and women like you that devote themselves to the scripture that allow us to run and run fast and and you take so much of how do i put it you take so much of the work that we i think we want to do it but we're off doing the ministry and we go okay these people mm-hmm. are very well versed and we trust we trust what they're saying and you allow us to run faster and harder and I have never been more challenged when I heard your study schedule your the amount you read the amount you write I I have just started in seminary myself uh, I'm working on my master's right now and knowing what it takes to be a student and the amount of work but then just seeing your life and the amount of time you spend in the word is mind-boggling so I thought starting out if it's okay and then I'm going to shut up uh by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to you as Craig by your permission, if that's okay. But Dr. Craig is how I would like to refer to you. But you said Craig, so I will do it. Uh I would love it if you could share a, just quickly a little bit of your story and then uh yeah, go from there.
0: <clears throat> well, I guess the place to start my story would be I uh I was lost. I, I actually was an atheist, although I think there was something tugging in my heart that was like, "You're wrong," <laughs> um, you know. The universe testifies to to God's glory, but I started to to realize I had some cousins who were, who were praying for me. I think that had a big, uh, a big influence. But I, I started realizing that the only way. There could be any hope or any meaning in life in this finite, short life that we have on earth would be if there was somebody infinite that we could somehow be in connection with. And I was like, whoa. And even if that were true, why would the infinite being care about us? So the gospel is just such good news. But it was like, uh, too good to believe. But I started wondering enough You know, I said, well, most people in this country claim to be Christians, but you can't tell by how they live Mm. that they really take it seriously. So why should I take it seriously? And I wasn't distinguishing between nominal Christians and real Christians. But I started saying, God, if you're out there, please show me. And one day, some fundamental Baptists stopped me on the street, uh, again, don't have to agree with everybody's theology yep. entirely, but thank God they were, you know, they were the ones who were out sharing the gospel. Yeah. And I argued with them for 45 minutes and walked home. And I, you know, they didn't have good answers to my questions. They weren't trained in apologetics or anything like that, but they did give me the gospel. Jesus died for me. Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, I can be made right with God. And and you know, I was like, I'm an atheist. How, how are you, <laughs> why are you telling me this? And they were showing me from Scripture, and I'm like, I don't believe in the Bible. I'm an atheist. But as I walked home, I was so convicted by the Holy Spirit, and I got to my room, and the presence of God was so palpable that, you know, it's really hard to be an atheist when you're in God's presence. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, okay, God, I don't understand how Jesus dying for me and rising from the dead can make me right with you. But if that's what you're saying, I'll believe it. But God, I don't know how to be made right with you. So if you want to, if you want to do that, I need you to do it for me. And all of a sudden I felt something rushing through my body. Like I'd never felt before. I jumped up, scared out of my mind, not knowing what had just happened. And then a couple days later, I walked into a church. I I decided, okay, well, I believe there's a God now. Uh, And Figured these Christians all have supernatural powers because they're in touch with God, um, but it you know within a week or two I learned that they actually gossip. You know <laughs> they weren't as super as I thought. But anyway, I I got into uh, <clears throat> the church, and I told the pastor I I accepted Christ. <clears throat> he said, "Are you sure you did?" I said, "No, I don't know if I did it right." So he led me in the same prayer, basically of what I'd done a couple of days before. And this time I felt the same overwhelming sense of God's presence. Mm. And I wanted to give him glory and honor and and to thank him. But I thought, you know, there's no way I can give him praise worthy of him unless he enables me to do it. Unless he gives me the words to do it. And God knows lots of languages. So it started coming out in another language I didn't know. I'd never heard of that before, but it it was pretty fun. Uh, Were you
1: alone when this took place? No,
0: no, no, no. Uh, I was still with the pastor, and there were some other people, and they were praying for me. They laid hands on me, but I had no idea. I didn't know what speaking in tongues was. (laughs) And so um, that was the beginning of my, my Christian life. And then the little kids in Sunday school, they knew more about the Bible than I did. So to try to catch up with them, eventually I started reading um, I found out if you read forty chapters of the Bible a day, mm-hmm. you can get through the New Testament once a week, okay. or through the Bible once a month. Now, uh, I, I haven't done that always, and there is an advantage of slowing down and working through the text. But I, I was trying to catch up with the kids, so eventually, I guess. And what I found, though, in terms of context, because you know, when I joined the church, they gave me different. Bible verses to memorize. And that was great, but it's possible to treat the Bible as a collection of Bible memory verses with a lot of blank spaces in between, Mm -hmm. and that's not the way God gave us the Bible. For For the most part, it's one book at a time. And so I began to know about where different passages were because I knew them in context now. And and I felt like the Lord told me to learn Greek and Hebrew. So I went off to a Bible college and, and started learning Greek and Hebrew. Um, and as I'm, as I'm continuing this process of reading the Bible so much, I began to realize, okay, sometimes the author takes for granted something that the author and the, the readers, or original audience knew, but we don't know today, Yeah, um, the background that the writer didn't have to explain because it was already common knowledge with, with his audience. Like they knew their situation, for example. Of course they knew how to read Greek or Hebrew. Or, right. And so I began to get a craving for that. And some of, the, some of the stuff, actually before I was a Christian, I'd been reading Greek and Roman classics and so on, not knowing it would be useful for me someday well, in this way but especially delving into the early Jewish background. And just like, wow, as I kept getting more and more of it, I was like, uh, well, I ended up getting a PhD because I, I just needed to get more and more of the, the information. But toward the end of it, I'm like, wow, it took me 10 years to get this much background information. I can't expect everybody to get that before they go out and preach. Right. right. So that's why I, I wrote the... IVP Bible background commentary, uh, the New Testament part of it, uh, if I were going to do the Old Testament part, that would have been another PhD, but I, I wanted to put the information at people's fingertips so they wouldn't have to spend the 10 years yeah. of, of doing the research. And Of course, I've learned so much since I wrote that, but um, there's just so much. I mean, there's no there's no end. It's, it's like Paul says, we know in part and we prophesy right. in part there's there's still more and more
1: so uh, how many books have you written
0: i think 35
1: 35 books and some of them are gargantuan they're they're massive
0: yeah the, well, the, the acts the the big version of the acts commentary took me 10 years to write otherwise i'd i'd be 10 years younger
1: yeah that's great <laughs> and and so what is your personal favorite book if you had to pick one not a commentary but like oh I mean no, any book, any book that you've written, what is your favorite out of all the books that you've written?
0: It's hard to choose it you, depends I can depends pick on a what, favorite kid it depends that on I what um, what no, I'm mood <laughs> <laughs> depends on what mood 'm in I guess i um somebody said that their favorite uh, book of the Bible is the one they're writing a commentary on right then i yeah. I'm, I'm loving I'm working on Mark right now, but yeah. it won't be out for a few years, but yeah, I really loved acts um I loved writing on Revelation. I loved writing on Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> I loved a lot oh, of them.
1: What's your favorite non-commentary book that you've, that you've written?
0: Probably maybe Gift and Giver. Okay. Uh, it's it's about the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, either that or Impossible Love, the one that yes. my wife and I wrote. Yeah. It's just a love story. and yeah. um, Because in the commentaries, I... No, I'm, I'm explaining the text. I love I love being in the biblical text, but I can't like include prophecies and stuff except yep. except the ones that are in the biblical text. But there are things the Lord has shown me over the years that you know some other kinds of books I can incorporate that more directly.
1: Well, wow. um, gosh, I have so many questions. I'm going to try to tamper down my ADD. Um, <laughs> oh, your ADD. Oh, so much.
0: Well, me too. Hey.
1: Well, so cool. how come you're brilliant and I have half a cat's brain nah, on a good day? Nah, 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 nah. What uh, kind of ADD did you get?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, maybe this should go for the bloopers reel. <laughs> you,
1: you got the kind that makes you study a lot. I got the kind that goes, I have no idea. Well, no desire to study.
0: Elementary school was torture. Okay, I, because because my mind is flitting off in all sorts of different yep. directions. It was too slow. But but when. When I can focus on something I really love, I go into hyper-focus. So you hyper-focus. Mm-hmm. I
1: hyper-focus. Yeah. Yeah. But I hyper-focus on stupid things like beekeeping or like, oh, I want to, you know, learn about this way that you make a pottery in some ancient, no, so and I'll just those, hyper-focus on that for a month. Those
0: are useful for background. I mean, beekeeping, I mean, granted, it was it was wild honey mm-hmm. that John the Baptist was using, but yep. still... Um, learning about beekeeping can be, you know, can can expand your horizons it, on that passage. It
1: actually did. I've learned about the Catholic Church through beekeeping. Every wow. church had a before uh, wax, you, yeah, yeah, before or not before wax, before like fake wax paraffin was created. Uh-huh. Every Catholic church had beehives uh-huh. for candles, yeah, cool, and mead too for the monks. Wow. But anyway, okay, so you hyperfocus, but when you hyperfocus, uh, you produce golden nuggets of scripture uh, references and understanding. I hyper-focus and I get stung a lot, or I have a <laughs> I have 40, you know, plants in my office or
0: something like that, hyper-focus cool. on something. The, the oxygen is good for you.
1: <laughs> it is, it is. Okay, uh, fun fact, just really quick before we jump in, what is something that you have never shared in your classes or your a podcast that you've done about you that n- nobody knows about?
0: <laughs> uh, I can't share it.
1: Okay, uh, then... Not so fun fact. No, is there a, do you have any, what do you like to do for fun? Let me Uh, ask you that. What do you, what's your hobby separate from reading like Saturday afternoon?
0: Being with my wife.
1: Yeah. And how long have you been married?
0: uh, 21 years. I I thought it was 20. I I know when we were married, the problem is I always forget what year it is because it keeps changing. It's It's not fair. It's hard to keep up. Uh,
1: Okay. So time with your family man. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Favorite nation that you've been to?
0: Oh, that's hard, too. I really loved Indonesia. Mm -hmm. Um, Nigeria is really close to my heart. That was the first place that I spent a lot of time in. Um,
1: Okay. Favorite, who's your top four or five theologians?
0: Oh, boy. Um, Now, theologians can include New Testament scholars? Sure. Okay.
1: Whatever you wanted to include.
0: N.T. Wright. Yes. Uh, although, I mean, not that we agree on everything, yeah. but he's great. Um,
1: actually, uh, let, let me pause this because uh, this is something that I wanted to do in the beginning. We're going to, I my intention is to hit some things. This is, you're the first one that I actually have come with questions oh. uh, out of all my Green Room interviews uh, because I really want to take advantage of this. But as we are getting ready to go into this conversation, what I would like, I started Green Room. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people know this
0: because of all the plants
1: because of all the plants in my, in my office. No, I started it because I was having incredible conversations with leaders in the green room and they'd go up and they'd preach and they'd teach. And then I find that the gold was actually in the green room. That's mm-hmm. why I named this the fun fact about yeah. this. And what I love about that is we're not making a statement we're mm-hmm. we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, question and response instead of question and answer. And so as you guys are watching this, I, I don't want you to miss a moment of this because my goal is to cover as much ground as we can, but I would like all of you to take a deep breath and realize that we're having a conversation and not making necessarily the final statement of what we believe as just like you said, you're like, I love N.T. Wright. I don't agree with everything, but I love him. So who, who, so who, the little bit of context would be able to take a deep breath and who are, who are your other th- top theologians that you, that you um. like?
0: ben Witherton is a is a great but in, in, in always it depends on it also depends on what what we mean by top theologian like i mean there are there are a lot of scholars i learn a lot from where we're really theologically different like they may not have the same view of scripture that i do or or something um but you know in terms of fellow evangelical scholars or fellow yeah. charismatic evangelical mm-hmm. scholars i mean uh, that would include NT Wright, Ben Witherington um, and yeah a bunch of others so great it's hard to hard it's to hard. narrow it down.
1: It is hard it, it's very hard uh, I've, I've been reading a lot of Aquinas lately, mm. just part of it's for my classes, but mm-hmm. I, I never knew how mm-hmm. amazing he was. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like you said, I disagree with some of, stuff, but some mm-hmm. of his love, his, mm-hmm. uh, his poetic stance in the scripture is just, mm-hmm. it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been reading some of uh, Dr. Beal, Dr. Uh Greg Beal, only for the fact that I know him and Uh I grew up around him, but I'm only starting to uncover, you know, what he's, what he's done. Amazing. Disagree with some of the stuff, but
0: His revelation commentary is amazing.
1: So fun fact, I, we were there. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a kid when he finished, when Uh he finished it. And I had no idea what he did. Uh, Me and his son are, or his son and I are good friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, we grew up playing together. And I grew up knowing, I didn't know what he did. I just knew that he worked for a university, but as the years have gone on mm-hmm. finding that he spent his whole life. Cause I remember the day that he finished it and it was, I think he spent something like nine or 10 years wow. working on that as well. Uh, just like, just like you did on Axe. And there was a party and I was like, what are we doing a party? But he finished a book. I was like, okay. You know, <laughs> and, uh, but come to find out I, I, I own it now. And one, and really,
0: one time I my son, I think, I, th- I think my son was like maybe nine or 11. He brought a friend home from school and he was showing his friend uh, one of my books. It was like 700 pages, 800 pages. And his friend said, wow, it must have taken you all night to write that book. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it,
1: it's, it's fascinating, the, the callings of the Lord. Yeah. And I love, I love your calling. Uh, Would you classify yourself as a teacher? Would you classify yourself as a pastor? What would you perceive? Well,
0: in in the grammar in Ephesians Mm 4.11, pastor and teacher are closely linked. So teachers should have a pastoral responsibility in what they do. And pastors, well, the pastoral epistles are pretty clear. You're supposed to teach. That's one thing pastors are supposed to be able to do well. So, you know, it overlaps, but primarily is it, teacher for the body of Christ.
1: Well, yeah. Um, let's get into it if you mm-hmm. don't mind. Uh, and f- you feel free to, to chat about whatever you want to share, whatever you want to. But I, I want to start with my first question to you is right now, body of Christ, there's a lot that's going on. I think yeah. in my personal opinion, uh, you know, there's been a, there's, there's a revival culture that swept, I think globally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and being a spirit-filled theologian, um, what do you see some of the greatest issues are for the spirit-filled movement right now?
0: No, there's some things I can't really address because they're outside my... Well, I spend so much time in the text, I'm not as familiar. Like my friend Michael Brown, he knows pretty much what's going on. Remnant Radio, they keep up with what's going on. So I kind of depend on other people for... My knowledge of what's going on but in terms of what I feel the Lord saying and what what I've observed generally, there needs to be a greater grounding in Scripture and Scripture understood in its context. Um, it's I mean we should apply it. we should live it but faith is only as good as its object and if your faith is in a verse taken out of context, it's not going to, <laughs> I mean, that's not, it may not mean what you think it means. And so it's, but, but I, different people have different callings, but at the heart of my calling is to call the church back to the scriptures mm. and to really hear the scriptures accurately. There are some parts of the body of Christ that are very much into accurate interpretation, careful, detailed interpretation, and sometimes they cr- criticize the other parts of the body of Christ <laughs> in ways that are not edifying and are not conducive to actually the other parts of the body listening to them. Right. And sometimes you have different... Well, actually, normally, you have different parts of the body with different gifts. We could learn so much from one another Yeah. if we, if we bring those together.
1: Yeah. So I've faced some of this, some of the differing opinion. You know, Iris has... A lot of the spirit-filled movements that, that that we are friends with has experienced a lot of criticism, theologically. Um, you mentioned Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown has been a champion yeah. for the spirit-filled movement. I was yeah. I actually I was chatting with him yesterday, the day before,
2: nice.
1: uh, as as I just come out of Israel, and uh, he was so encouraging. And so we have these champions. I feel like you're you're one of the champions of the spirit-filled movement. So knowing that we need more biblical literacy, but also seeing those who are biblically literate, quote unquote, what, what they do to the spirit-filled mo- movement. How do you navigate that? Because there are some very loud voices mm-hmm. that don't just disagree. They, um, they tear apart yeah. uh, for the sake of discernment, right? Discernment mm-hmm. ministries. I've, I've faced that. I'm sure you have as well how are we supposed to navigate this? Because there comes a time and a place where I feel like lines are being crossed. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know how to face that. It's a, except frustration, which I don't want to let my heart get into. Right. Um, yeah. And then what's heresy in the middle of that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've got, um, Jesus word to the church in Ephesus, revelation two, one to seven or something like that, uh, where he says, Romans verse four or five you did you did well in that you tested those who said they were apostles and were not mm. you know so discernment but you lost your first love and i think that probably doesn't just mean your first love for jesus it means walking in love mm. which is so central you know ephesians also talks about discernment, but it also talks about let all your words be wholesome for building up. So we need to discern. You know, if you're going to have the continuation of the gifts like Mm -hmm. prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14, 29, let two or three prophesy at a time, and then let the others judge, Let let them evaluate the prophecies. And sometimes in spiritual circles, we haven't been as good at evaluating the prophecies. And so, and then, yeah, with social media, whoever has the, basically, it's the same as the issue in Jeremiah's day. You tell people what they want to hear, you're going to get a bigger following. Yep. So, you know, peace, peace when there is no peace. So there is that side of it, but... Walking in love, I mean, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. It wasn't a new commandment because it was about love. It was already Leviticus 19.18, love your neighbor as yourself. But this was greater than as yourself because Jesus laid down his life for us, love one another as I have loved you. And if we can't do that, then, I mean, that may not be, Theological heresy, mm-hmm. but we can be too much like the Pharisees that Jesus confronted, who were really big into their doctrine, and some of their doctrine was actually right. Right. But they, their hearts weren't. Right. I mean, I mean, we we have to not just talk about it; we have to live it, and loving one another, maintaining unity in the body of Christ. Um, I'm right now. I'm on the. Executive Committee of the Evangelical Theological Society, and you know we have we have a range of of views there. So you have um, cessationists, Mm -hmm. you have charismatics like Mm -hmm. myself, you have um, Calvinists, Mm -hmm. you have a few Arminians, (laughs) Uh, you have um, a lot of complementarians, you have you have some egalitarians. can we maybe just, just maybe even maybe even vegetarians. I the, don't know. Oh man, not that. Hopefully <laughs> not that.
1: Just so you know, because uh, I, I I want to assume that not everybody, everybody knows, knows what we're what talking this. about. So cessationists, they believe the gifts ceased with the apostles. Or, the twelve or certain gifts, certain gifts. Yeah, and this is what. Yeah, all these have te- technicalities. Continuationists believe the gifts continue on for today. Uh, egalitarian is that women we worship eagles. Yeah, no, eagle, no, no. eagle worship. <laughs>
0: uh, e- equality. Yeah, uh, both both men and women. It's not really the best. I mean, right. mutual submissionist would be a more biblical way of putting it. Okay. Or everybody gets the opportunity to, to serve. Yeah, but um, but that's the language that
1: and then, yeah, and then Calvinist, and that's the followings of Cal- most following John Calvin, uh, Tulip. Yeah. I don't know. I want, well, I feel like I shouldn't be the one describing they, these things. There's
0: actually more overlap between Calvin Calvinists and Arminians than people often realize. But, mm-hmm. um, but that's another another subject. Complementarians yep. people who go around complimenting people. It's mm-hmm. a nice thing to do. <laughs> no, uh, they say men and women mm-hmm. are complementary, which actually egalitarians believe too. But, um, but you know, it's just the way the language has fallen right. out. So, uh, they have various levels of the husband being above the wife or yep. the, you know, so on. Although they, yeah, they're very, it's actually a range of views because you've got people who say, women can't speak at all in church right. to saying they can be anything except senior pastor. And they use the same label for the whole, Right. Th- we really should differentiate better if we're going to use labels. But.
1: Well, inside of those labels, there are spectrums, right? right? And, right. and then other, other, you know, you have provisionists instead of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Cal, you know, um, God, my brain help me. I, I haven't slept a lot in the last few days, oh, sorry. but even, no, in the middle of all of these things, there's, there's a spectrum yeah. of different stances and views. Uh, b- but to the point that you're making, you, you said you serve on this committee and, and there's all these people, yeah. with different views.
0: And we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay. And so, I mean, unity is, we, we are united around the gospel, mm-hmm. the evangel. That's what makes us evangelical. Um, some people don't like the term evangelical, but whatever terminology you use, we're united around yeah. the gospel. Yeah. That's what makes us followers of Jesus. Yeah. And so, well that and really embracing and living out the, the good news of Jesus.
1: So I love that. And I actually find that even if people disagree with, with me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in general, they, they wouldn't say that I'm a heretic, just like I wouldn't say they're a heretic but to what we were chatting about before, there is a group of heresy hunters yeah. that have a large platform, yeah. and would probably condemn someone like the leader of Iris, or myself, or anyone, and say you, you are your wolves in sheep's clothing, right? Uh, how do we navigate this? Because I I I actually think this is this is becoming. A much larger dividing line in the church right now, yeah, and it is bringing division.
0: And they're doing a lot of damage
1: in. And they, I would say, that they're doing it in love, right? Like, <laughs> like love. Love is just playing their side. Love is calling you out, right? We're calling a spade a spade, and you're you're a spade, right?
0: They should do their biblical exegesis better, though. Um, if you're going to if you're going to call people out based on what you think is true don't just start with your doctrinal premises and read them into Scripture, but read Scripture inductively and see what it actually says. And that's why I think they're doing so much damage because they're not reading Scripture. I mean, they're they're imposing their doctrinal parameters on Scripture, Mm -hmm. and there's no way you're going to get cessationism out of Scripture.
1: I mean, but Dr. Keener, there's so many people that believe this.
0: uh, Well, it's been inherited for a long time, but it's, it's not there. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> the the revivals, the, the massive spread of Christianity in Africa, actually, um, I mean, it, 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 people have been working there for a long time, but it was when the missionaries got kicked out of a lot of the countries, yeah. and the, the indigenous church, they were free to just read the Bible for themselves. Yeah. Of course, they didn't see cessationism there. And, and mm-hmm. the church multiplied so many times over. Cessationism is... Kind of a spiritual poison that hurts the church.
1: I would say it's one of the most destructive yeah. doctrines in the church today. Yeah, um, for multiple reasons. Yeah, what, what, how on the scale of dangers in in church doctrine, right? And there's been a lot over the centuries, right? Where would you rank this?
0: It's like when you ask me my favorite theologians, and <laughs> you know, I'm thinking I'm thinking of my current people that I read rather than. Uh, all of church history—it uh, depends on how you mean the question—but um, it's, I mean, the church has survived with it for a long time, and people have evangelized with it for a long time. But it's, it's not at all consistent with what we see in the New Testament, where this is to be the era of the outpouring of the Spirit, and you know, Peter says in the last days which if it was the last days on the day of pentecost right. it's you know if anything it's last or days now or even lastest days mm-hmm. for all we know i'll pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams my servants and my handmaidens will pour out my spirit and they'll prophesy peter adds in that line there yeah. to to drive home the point that a key characteristic of god's people in this age is the Spirit expressed in prophecy. Now, that doesn't mean just, you know, prophecy in the narrow sense. I mean, it's hearing from God and speaking for God. So it includes the preaching of the gospel. And our cessationist brothers and sisters would agree we need to preach the gospel, obviously. And they're not cessationist on all the gifts. I mean, teaching... And, and I have friends, there's a range of cessationists too. Right. I mean, I have, I have friends, I did a presentation on, um, on miracles, um, not because I'm a miracle worker, I know somebody who is, but just because I'm a teacher and I need to be ready to teach whatever's in scripture. Yeah. But um, giving examples of, of these things happening today, and the respondent in that, in that venue was a professor at Dallas Seminary, We didn't disagree on anything. Um, He says, I don't believe in a gift of miracles for today where people always get healed every time you pray. Right. And I'm just like, I don't believe in that either. (laughs) At least I don't know anybody where they get healed every time. I mean, on the cutting edge of evangelism, like Roland and Heidi, you see it more often. Obviously, maybe over 90%, I think, in some places. We've
1: seen it. It's incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But... um, but you know, globally, you don't always see it all the time when you pray. Right. And so, so there's a range of cessationists. But in terms of the idea that uh, some of the gifts aren't for today, and especially the people who are not just inheriting the doctrine, but who are vigorously condemning people based on their idea, we're meant to be a whole body with its many gifts, ministering to one another with these many gifts. And when you have some churches that amputate certain members of the body of Christ, that's not a whole body. Mm. On the other hand, you have some, some churches where they only value the amputated gifts. And so, you know, you pile up a bunch of amputated body parts. That's not a whole body either.
1: (laughs) 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 No. Wow. Okay. So what would you, so I, I, a few months back, I, I was bombarded with, um, I kind of went down this rabbit hole, a deep, dark rabbit hole online. And mm-hmm. I listened to a lot of the arguments. And from, from I would say, the more staunch cessationist camp, right? The, the figureheads of the cessationist camp. Mm-hmm. And I listened to a lot of the, what they said. I read, I bought some books. I read a book. And it culminated in this one book that I read, Uh, which basically what it says is God doesn't talk anymore. He doesn't talk. He doesn't speak. Uh, And and what I realized, and it was a very, it like hurt my heart. I actually didn't know that. I really truly didn't know that there were Christians today that believe that God doesn't talk today, right? Like not even broke down still small voice, you know, uh, fleeces, all of this stuff, right? Like every biblical context where God would talk just tore it apart, I said none of this happens today. And and what I realized is that there, there is zero. If if this if this cessationist doctrine was true, then there would be zero, like zero anything miraculous, anything outside of ourselves. Like we become the we become this filter and our understanding of the word. Like this is God. Like this is how he speaks. It's me and and this Bible. And, it, and, it, and there's no outside Holy Spirit, voice of the Father. There's none of that. And I understand the argument, but if that's true, let's just say that's true, then then God can't do anything in the globe, the entire globe. Like, no Muslim can come to him through, visions through or a dreams. vision or dreams. And, and I listened to the argument mm. on that, and it was one of the weakest arguments mm. I'd ever heard. Iran right now fastest growing church in the world. Mm-hmm. So many are coming; they're flooding. They're they're, they're coming to Jesus at a breakneck pace. Pace. I know. I've stood in front of so many people. Jesus came to me in a vision. I had this sensation of walking to walk into this church. Like, if that's true, then you have to eradicate a ma- a majority mm-hmm. of believers in how they came to the Lord.
0: And I'm sure they they say a lot of um, supernatural things are caused by demons, but then if you don't believe that we have the authority to cast out demons, You're <laughs> you've got a real problem. Uh, but I don't know how far they go with that. But the Spirit bears witness together with our spirit that we're God's children. Hmm. If God doesn't speak to us, then we're not God's children.
1: Hold on. Stop. Say that. Say that one more time.
0: The Spirit bears witness to us with our spirit that we're God's children. So if somebody says the Spirit never speaks to them, they have no experience of the Spirit, they're not God's children. Now, I'm not saying that they're not God's children.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, yeah.
0: But I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying they're not being consistent, either that or, you know, I mean, I think maybe, maybe the Spirit does speak to them in that, you know, bearing witness to them. But if they if they say actually no, there's no spirit bearing witness to them about anything, then they actually need salvation. Because the spirit lives inside of believers. Mm. And you can't have, you know, Romans 8, 9, yep. if you don't, if the spirit isn't in you, you don't belong to Christ. So, But most cessationists that's not where they are. I mean, most cessationists right. will just limit it to certain things aren't for today. They would never say God's Spirit doesn't work in believers for today.
1: Romans 8 9. Yeah. Uh, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Mm-hmm. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong in Christ. Yeah. So, how. So. Okay. So. I would say on the extreme end of the charismatic movement, there are people that are so off into yeah. witchcraft and uh, new age. Right. Yeah. And I would say, yes, I would question, I would actually personally yeah. question their self. And, and then at times I have, yeah. right. Is what I think I hear you saying, like on the extreme end of the spectrum of like the most extreme cessationist. Yeah. Would you have the same conversation with, with them that I might have with the charismatic or quote unquote charismatic? Who's just totally off.
0: Yeah, although maybe what I would want to see is if they actually really, because sometimes people say certain things mm-hmm. and that's not who they are in their heart. So I don't want to. I love that. Judge people prematurely. That. Sometimes they're just spouting inherited doctrine, mm-hmm. and they still have an experience with God, right? But uh, or a relationship with God, I should say. And and the you know, if they're hearing God in Scripture, it's not like they're not hearing God. Yep. At all, yep. I mean that's that's um, that's the most solid and sure way yeah. we hear we hear from God. But boy, you're really missing out if if you don't let the Spirit yeah. um, guide you in your in your daily life. Yeah. And in your uh, but but yeah, I think the biggest argument for cessationism today is the wacky end of the charismatic movement. Yeah, um, that would sometimes tempt me to be cessationist because it's 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 neater. I yeah. mean, you you don't have a mess, right? If you if you're going to have the continuation of the gifts, you're going to have a mess, just like you have in Acts chapter twenty one, where Acts twenty one four, you've got people saying to Paul through the Spirit he shouldn't go to Jerusalem, right? And then, um, and then Agabus comes in in 20, uh, twenty-one eleven and says this is what's going to happen to you when you get to Jerusalem, and then it says all of us, which would include Agabus, it would include Luke, it would include Philip's four daughters who were prophesying, mm-hmm. um, all of us said to, said to Paul, don't don't go to Jerusalem. And he insisted, and they said the will of the Lord be done, because Paul, back in chapter 19, had already heard from the Spirit he was supposed to go. Yeah. Talk about messy, yep. be- because we know in part we prophesy in part. They were each speaking something they were getting from the Holy Spirit, um, Paul was going to suffer in Jerusalem, and so they acted on that. They didn't want him to suffer, and that's good. That's love. you know. They, yeah. they, they they wanted to protect him, but Paul knew that was his mission. And so you have to have, if you're going to have prophecy, you have to have it being evaluated. Um, same as in 1 Thessalonians 5 where he says, don't quench the Spirit. Don't despise prophesying, uh, but abstain from what's evil. Hold hold on to what's good. But, you know, a clean plate is less messy than a dirty one. But (laughs) I still like to eat.
1: Right. Okay. So a lot of the cessationist argument around prophecy is, and it's a, it's a great argument. It, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. No,
0: it doesn't.
2: Right. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm being the uh, I'm be, yeah. I'm trying to right. give a little be grace, be sure, right? Yeah.
1: It's God spoke, mm-hmm. right? It, what you're telling me in the prophetic is God, the creator of everything, mm-hmm. the same God uh, that spoke and everything was created. He's speaking to you a mm-hmm. word, mm-hmm. right? And and why why is that not on par with Scripture? God spoke mm-hmm. in the Scripture. And so what you're saying is, and this is what I hear. I hear this uh, Mm -hmm. being, this is the argument that's Mm -hmm. used to tear apart Mm -hmm. the prophetic, the modern-day prophetic Mm -hmm. movement. And explain that.
0: Sure. They're treating Scripture as comprehensively equal to all that God has ever spoken. And that's not what Scripture teaches. I mean, you have... For example, in 1 Kings chapter 18, Obadiah says, I hid a hundred prophets by fifties in the cave. Their prophecies aren't recorded in Scripture. Mm. You also have in, well, in chapter 17, I mean, Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord. Um, these were colleagues or or mentees, maybe mm-hmm. of, of Elijah, but their prophecies aren't recorded in Scripture. Does that mean they weren't prophesying? Does that mean they weren't speaking the word of the Lord? They were... Speaking of the word of the Lord, but, I mean, Scripture is not all that God has ever said. It doesn't claim to be that. Mm-hmm. Scripture is canon. That is, it's the measuring stick by which we evaluate everything else. It's what we agree on to evaluate everything else. So, Paul speaks of, in 1 Corinthians 14, two or three prophesying at a time, then the others judging, but he says you all can prophesy one by one um, now in the mega church you'd be there all day but mm-hmm. uh, or longer but <clears throat> uh, these were these were house churches and i think he was you know get, um, setting it up the the regulations for the house churches there and encouraging them to prophesy but let's let's say there were two prophecies per house church everywhere in the roman empire per week yeah in the first century we're talking about hundreds of thousands of prophecies. And, and how many of them were recorded in Scripture? Right. And so it's not, it's not the same thing. Prophecy overlaps with Scripture, because Scripture includes some prophecy. And Scripture is inspired, but it, it includes inspired history and so on. But it's not coextensive with prophecy It was never coextensive with prophecy, never meant to be. And so, treating it like you can't have prophecy, otherwise it would compete with Scripture, it didn't when Scripture was being written. And when Scripture is completed, uh, you know, God worked certain ways all the way through Scripture, and sometimes in some places more than others, but you have a certain pattern of God's working. And laid out for us in Acts chapter 2, an expectation of how God works in this age. In fact, Peter uses that as evidence that mm. that Jesus is the exalted Messiah. Mm. If the Spirit was not poured out, if this is not the era of the Spirit that Joel prophesied and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah prophesied, then we're undercutting a major New Testament argument for Jesus being the Messiah because that was the mark of the Messianic Age having come, mm. that the, the, the kingdom to come right. has already broken into history with the king's first coming. So essentially to deny that is deny the church the central mark of our identity. Um, even, even Revelation 19.10 the testimony of Jesus of the spirit of prophecy. Well, yeah. you look in first Corinthians 12 through 14 where he's regulating the gifts. Well, these, this is part of being the body of Christ. We're yeah. to bring these gifts together. I think, I think even, even in most charismatic circles, we don't do that well enough. Um, we may focus on certain gifts to the, in, in certain people rather than letting the whole body be the whole body yeah. or, or, uh, helping the whole body to be the whole body, facilitating that. Having, having said all that, Scripture gives us a certain pattern of God's working. It says, don't forbid to speak in tongues. It says, seek to prophesy, 1 Corinthians right. 14. He says that more than once. It never says the gifts will cease. Right. It says that right now we know in part, we prophesy in part. Someday we're not going to need prophecy we're not going to need knowledge in the sense we have it now like the gift of teaching Uh, jeremiah 31 they'll no longer say know the lord because all of them from the least of them to the greatest of them will know the lord first corinthians 13 someday we'll know as we are known we're not going to need teaching we're not going to need prophecy because those are in part we're going to see him face to face and until then first corinthians 1 you know paul talks about the the church being enriched in all the gifts yeah. until until the coming of the lord cessationism says watch out for prophecy because you could have post biblical doctrine right well should we should we discard teaching because you can have post biblical teaching i mean you can have post biblical yeah. doctrine arising from teaching and and you can have false teaching just like you can have false prophecy right you know if you're going to throw out Counterfeit money, just throughout all money. No, it doesn't make sense. So, its concern is post-biblical doctrine. I do not think we should get post-biblical doctrine from prophecy. To to Uh, I don't know
1: anybody that agrees on. Yeah,
0: yeah. I've heard of some people, but I've not met them. I I heard (laughs) you
1: hear this stuff. Yeah, but. And yes, maybe in my twenty-three years, I've met someone, but I didn't even know. You know, I wouldn't yeah. even know unless I asked them. Yeah, I've never, I, yeah. I've never experienced that.
0: Yeah, and and the the doctrine of cessationism is worried about post-biblical doctrine, but cessationism is nowhere taught in Scripture. Right. So it is a post-biblical doctrine itself, okay. and therefore is epistemically self-defeating.
1: So Ephesians two twenty. Isn't that one of the big? Oh, uh,
0: Ephesians two twenty.
1: Give, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, isn't sure. that the really one of the proof texts for? for oh yeah. Lessons, although
0: although later on in Ephesians uh, four eleven to thirteen, you need all these gifts to bring the body of Christ to maturity. Doctor
1: Kitty you can't read those ones. Oh, We're yeah. talking no, just two twenty. Right. No, I'm just,
2: I'm just kidding. In the, in the, in the,
0: in the context in two twenty, um, earlier, well, and then going on in chapter three, he's talking about. Um, a mystery being revealed now mm. and the mystery is the gentiles being welcomed into into the body of christ and yeah apostles and prophets from that time had laid that foundation of welcoming gentiles into the body of christ but paul also speaks in in romans 15 of not wanting to go to rome right away because he wanted to lay foundations where they hadn't been laid he talks about the false apostles in second corinthians 10 and 11 who who they, they want to build on another's foundation. You know, they're, they're a- acting outside, they're acting in his sphere yeah. of ministry. So there are still places that are unreached. There are still uh, spheres that need to be evangelized. Right. And as long as that's true, there need to be foundations laid in those areas. Not the foundations of, okay, now we need to reach Gentiles. That's been laid, obviously. Yeah. But there are other foundations breaking new ground in other areas. And, yeah, so it doesn't, yeah. in in, in terms of, of Scripture, even though I don't think it's speaking in that passage precisely of all of Scripture, I think it's speaking of a certain mystery being revealed. But, yeah, Scripture is a foundation that's been laid. Nobody should be writing Scripture today. Right. And e- even if they thought they were doing that, right. the rest of us wouldn't pay them any right. attention. Right. So, uh, But... You know, there are people who put their teaching on a par with scripture too, and they interpret scripture only through the grid of their teaching. And I think that's a danger when you have people who instead of seeing in scripture models Mm for us today, spend their time explaining that away, Mm. whether it's the rich young ruler and saying, okay, well, um, Charles Finney, he. Led like half a million people to Christ in the in the eighteen hundreds. Uh, don't agree with everything he said either. But I mean, you get two scholars together, you've got yeah. at least three opinions. Yeah. Right? So, uh, but but uh, Finney was uh, preaching in a wealthy New England church, yeah. uh, pastored by Lyman Beecher, and he preached from Luke fourteen thirty three. You can't be my disciple unless you give up all your possessions, and after he finished preaching, Lyman Beecher got up and apologized for him to the congregation and said, no, don't worry. Um, The Lord requires you to be willing to give up all your possessions, but he'll never ask you to do it, which kind of undercuts the willing part, (laughs) whereupon Finney got back up and said, you don't lose all your possessions at the moment of your conversion but you do lose your ownership of them because if Jesus Christ is not Lord of everything you are right. and everything you have, don't call him Lord. We we have our ways of getting around Scripture and I think it was how Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about it, yeah. but also uh, Soren Kier- Kierkegaard, who's not my favorite theologian, but uh, I think he, he got this this line right. He said that uh, thank God for the people who write commentaries. You know, if it weren't for if it weren't for the scholars, uh, <clears throat> we wouldn't have ways to get around these texts. We'd have to give our whole lives to Jesus. Right. <laughs> and and he, he's he's mocking it. I mean yeah, he's no, he's speaking I, facetiously. But I think sometimes people become experts in getting around yeah. what scripture invites us to of do. And whether that's spiritual gifts whether it's laying all your resources at the feet of jesus right. whether it's laying your life at the feet of jesus right. i mean people have their ways of getting around it or or people saying you know the lord is just there to give me whatever i want right. uh, which people don't usually put it that way but it's
1: <laughs> in the heart like, yeah i'm not that i know their hearts but yeah. i hear what you're saying uh, some
0: yeah and or people saying okay we are not going to go through suffering the lord would never make us right. go through suffering right. things like that
1: wow so what i what i think i hear you saying is this is a this is systemic in the yeah. body of christ yeah and we really need to not march around the difficult texts, mm. but go right into them and mm. listen to what he's saying. I love, I love the, the wrestle. Cause I think at Iris, let me just put mm. in the context of what we do. We're, mm. we're very much called extreme. <laughs> and somebody was, somebody said this, I made mean, a couple of years ago and it, and it hit it, as they said it. They're like, Oh, this what's the most radical testimony or, or you had a radical salvation. And, and it hit me like I didn't have anything radical. It was normal right? Like mm-hmm. the Christian walk is normal. Yeah. When you read the scriptures through the lens of this is normal, yeah. it doesn't become as radical. But when you have to boil it down,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right, to a Sunday morning, and how do I walk this mm-hmm. out during a week, you mm-hmm. have to dumb the scriptures down, you have to knock them down a few levels to make people feel comfortable. Oh. If, if the goal is comfort, yeah. um, if the goal is comfort, then you you have to knock the scriptures down to mean something much more surfacey. Yeah. But I think I think in the missions in the missions movement, yeah, I I don't see our tribes struggling with those things as much yeah. as I do other tribes.
0: Yeah, when your focus is on mission, it's on the same focus that the Lord gave us. Right. So Acts one eight. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He witnesses Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the the ends of the earth. And even even that, um, again, there's different members in the body of Christ, so we have different contributions to that. But when he speaks of power, it was Michael Brown who pointed this out to me. But then I went and checked. I was writing a commentary on Acts. so (laughs) Well, actually, I hadn't started it yet, so it was good I got the advance notice. But just going through Luke acts the most common use of power there is in terms of healing and exorcism mm. so these are signs that god uses to attest his gospel some people say it attests the people that's absolutely wrong you know uh, acts 3:12 why do you look at us as if by our own power or holiness this man stands before you whole it's by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, and then he goes on and preaches to them. Or in in Acts fourteen, when the man is uh, another disabled man is healed, and in that passage, it says that this was uh, bearing witness. God was bearing witness to the message about His grace, and uh, Paul and and Bar- well, actually, that's a little bit that's a the town they go before then. But then uh, a little bit later, they say, we are people just like you, same nature as you. <laughs> we're, we're calling you to turn from these other gods and turn to the true and the living God. We can't take credit for it. We're not the ones who make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the credit belongs to Jesus in the in the name of Jesus. But anyway, I... I digress too much. I'm ADHD. I love it.
1: I love it. I have a couple of questions for you if okay. you don't mind because of time. Okay. Um, that I'd love to get to. And we are not in a time crunch, but I, I was hoping that I could ask you a few questions. Come I on. I, did some preparation. Um, let me let me try to get to a juicy one here really quick. Um, oh, here we go. Uh. I was hoping, oh, yeah, please.
0: Actually, sorry. One of the things people bring up with cessationism is um, they say, well, you believe apost- if you believe in apostles, mm-hmm. you have to believe scripture is being written. And obviously I don't believe scripture is still being written. Um, now, the, the language of apostles is used more than one way in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think there's an overarching unity to it, but... You know in terms of the 12 usually in the gospels and acts the 12 are called apostles and in even in acts which has so much about Paul Paul and Barnabas are called apostles only in one passage so you've got a certain usage that's limited to the 12 mm-hmm. do I believe the 12 have ceased absolutely 100% <laughs> they're dead yes <laughs> so i mean
1: it's the 12 pillars in revelation Yep. Right? Yeah. There, the, I, that's, I, even under the, the craziest charismatic, apostolic, you know, card-carrying pastor, I've never heard anyone say
0: that. Well, I did hear that one person was saying that the Apostle John was still alive, so he hasn't ceased. Yeah. But, but that, okay. we don't agree with that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but the the term is used also more broadly than that. Mm-hmm. For those who are breaking new ground for the kingdom. Sent one. Yeah. And, and so yeah and that's what the term means and it's used in in various ways uh in in Greek literature and uh, in the Hebrew equivalent in the old Testament but anyway the prophets being sent once mm-hmm. but you have like in uh, Paul calls himself an apostle Barnabas is an apostle first yep. Corinthians nine you have Silas and Timothy who are apostles yep. and first uh, thessalonians you have uh, James the Lord's brother is an apostle yep. in Galatians 1:19 you have Andronicus and Junia, Junia who are apostles yep. and in, would you In Romans 16:7
1: just just we can bury this one a woman Junia was a woman Obviously she's a woman yeah, okay.
0: there's no there's
1: no It is up uh, for debate in some circles but well, okay
0: The name the name Junia was always a woman's name Boom And some people have said that it's a contraction for Junianus that contraction is nowhere attested and it doesn't actually work in Latin way it works in in greek so you heard it latin Latin name but um, yeah i cut you off i'm sorry that one's a sticky point there there is there is some debate as to whether you know the grammar whether he's calling them apostles but i think from from the context and paul's normal usage that's what he's calling them so but in that um he's not saying these are the 12 Mm -hmm or these are replacing the 12th. You do have churches that believe in apostolic succession. 100%. Yeah, so, you know, I'm not on board with that, but I, well, not in the sense, not in the full sense anyway. Um, I appreciate the sense of continuity. Right. uh, But in any case... So you're saying
1: there isn't a transfer of the apostolic from the original 12 down the line.
0: Right.
1: You're not in line with that.
0: Right, I'm not in line with that. Um,
1: You don't find, do you find it to be like, interesting? Yeah, I find it it
0: interesting. I'm not, I'm not, um, I guess I just brought it up to say people who criticize the idea that apostles are for today, if you mean apostolic in the general sense, you're criticizing Catholic church, you're criticizing Anglicans, you're criticizing Methodists, you're criticizing
1: (laughs) a lot of the worst critics wouldn't have a problem. They they, they, they 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 criticize everybody. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For for different reasons. I agree. Um, But you know if you define apostolic in terms of church planting right breaking new ground for the kingdom and, and a lot of i mean at asbury seminary we had i don't know if it's still called that but we had um, a master's degree in apostolic church planting Yeah. and one of my colleagues in the bible department said well i think there were only 12 apostles and so i answered well actually you've got all these others and so that became an interesting discussion but I mean, in, in missiological circles, apostolic doesn't mean the 12. It means right. just people breaking the ground for the kingdom. So, yep. and, and that's, you know, if we talk about apostleship being for today, we're not talking about people writing scripture. And scripture doesn't say Luke was an apostle. He wrote like one third of the New Testament or something. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, it's not coextensive with scripture writing.
1: I want to bring up a book, Apostles okay. Today by Benjamin G. McNair Scott. Have you read, read it? it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic book. Oh, good. It, it's one of the best books that I've ever read on mapping out the apostolic throughout. Good from from the apostles up into today, up good. until today, as well as navigating the different denominations that use the terms in different ways. Whether it's succession yeah. or just as a term of honor within yeah. the church, it is such a complex. Yeah, uh, the term is very complex. Yeah, and depending on where it's being used, it can mean yeah. a bunch of different things yeah. to a bunch of different people. Yeah,
0: So, I mean, there are people who are abusing it mm-hmm. and in, and, and again, revelation two, uh, discerning those who said they were apostles and are not, you pretty well have a good definition of false apostles in second Corinthians 10 yep. and 11, where somebody else is doing the work of breaking the ground. And they, they come in and say, we're taking over this. We're the true apostles, right. um, who come in and they think they need to instruct people and in, you know, certain ways right Uh, so so there are false apostles and there are people who acts chapter 20 warns about those who even from the elders there in the church in ephesus who would come to draw the sheep away after themselves and there was a danger of that even with the the 12 uh, early on where they were vying for, you know, wanting to be first in the kingdom. And Jesus chose nobodies. He didn't choose the scribes. He didn't right. choose the, right. the pre the chief priests. He chose He chose nobodies to show us that he can use anybody. Right. But they started getting big heads and thinking, I want to be first in the kingdom when you set up the kingdom. Right. And Jesus had to show them this is what it means. I came to serve mm. and to lay down my life. Yep. And the greatest is the is the least, the the, the last, yeah. the servant, and Paul says God has set forth us apostles last of all, so you don't see it among the people who boast in their apostleship or boast in something else. One characteristic of, of apostleship of any kind in the New Testament is that they suffer yes. for their message, and that shows their integrity. Uh, of course, you can suffer for your message and and be a false teacher too, but. Yeah. Um, But at least, uh, that always goes with, with true apostleship.
1: On this, on this note, right. One of the topics I think along with the cessationist discussion Mm -hmm. and a lot of the, you know, the wolves in sheep's clothing discussion is the new apostolic reformation. Right. Right. And I think this goes along. This is one of the major points in the new apostolic reformation argument. Yeah. And, uh. I find everything that you just said to be very, very true. Right, and a lot of the people that I know that that would even call an apostolic movement. Or right, there is no intent. Right, at all.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, it's more a term of endearment. Yeah, and I find I find that a lot of the rhetoric, a lot of this finger pointing, yeah, wolves in sheep's clothing, heretic, you know, this this hunt that yeah. is that is trying to purge the church of heresy. Yeah. yeah. Is is actually they the, they they're, they're the issue because <laughs> I see people that that would be affiliated or called Nar or whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, they're they're the ones that are out planting. They're the ones that are yeah. out building. They're the ones that are out serving. Yeah. And it's funny. I'll just use Iris. Um, yeah. I I was in conversation with someone that wrote wrote one of the books. One mm-hmm. of the one of the best mm-hmm. known books mm-hmm. and as i was reading some of their some of their writings they they went after heidi yeah. and they said heidi thinks she's an apostle and i interviewed her i said heidi do you think you're an apostle she goes no what do you do if you call if somebody calls you an apostle correct them right like she and and i think in this in this hunt for heresy mm-hmm. these these people have actually completely bastardized what what these leaders actually think in this. And so I would agree. I think we would all agree that there are, that there are errors in the Mm -hmm. movements, both sides, the cessationist camp and the continuationist Mm -hmm. camp. But man, we got it. We got to stop just looking for, to tear down our brothers and sisters in Christ. When you start, when, when, when the, when the people that are put on the pulpit as, as um, the best ones, the best, you know, creating this argument for cleaning up the church or cleaning up the movement. And they can't even see that the ones that they're calling out don't even think this way of themselves. Then, then that's an issue. We have an issue here. Yeah. And all I see that it's doing is bringing division instead of bringing the health that is, that is required.
0: Yeah. And you know, some, I don't agree with the way everybody uses the term apostleship. That's an issue of ecclesiology, but mm-hmm. that's, that's not heresy. But there, there are people, I mean, to the credit of those who warn against false apostles, yep. there is such a thing as false apostles. Totally. And there are people who are abusing authority and, and uh, creating movements after themselves. The problem is painting with such a broad brush right. that everybody— who can be called an an apostle by somebody is part of that movement. And actually some of the people who are critiquing them agree that there are apostles in the sense of church planters today.
2: Right.
0: (laughs) And so some of the people they're critiquing actually fall into the thing that they would agree with. And so we have to be careful with that. Randy Clark and I talked about this too. And of course, Michael Brown and I have talked about it. although, I think I'm more inclined than Michael to recognize that there is, I'm sure Michael recognized that they're false apostles too. Um, but when I was in Cuba and when I was in, um, Ethiopia, I found that one of the things the churches were struggling with was there were people saying you have to be under an apostle. So leave that church, come, come under us. Those are false apostles. Yes. But that's not what this is about.
1: Yeah. It's a false apostle at easiest twisting of scripture, right. uh, b- bad teaching going down through the lines, people right. just coming under, a, see, the thing is like people come under bad teaching or un- unhealthy teaching and they just start spouting it. I would say it's no different than the cessationist camp, right? Yeah. They come under, they start, but they don't know mm-hmm. any better, but as soon on their journey, as they're in the scripture, getting mm-hmm. around other brothers and sisters, especially with the internet today, mm-hmm. you have yep. access to all this teaching. Yep. The, a lot of that stuff goes to the wayside. I have grown exponentially as I've gotten into the mm-hmm. scriptures, and and people are people are in a growth process. And I find a lot of those things, like a lot of those extremes, they fall. They end up falling to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Usually, there's some sort of sin in the camp. Something exposes it. Mm-hmm. That's not me justifying it at all. But what I'm mm-hmm. saying is, there is a natural progression yeah. as you are seeking the Lord mm-hmm. and His Word and. Mm-hmm being encouraged by brothers that that stuff gets pushed to the wayside yeah my my issue is categorizing the move of the spirit into it is uh, into a heresy category which which is i see the nar argument right it is another box you can put anyone that's a continuationist now i've had some of the conversations with some of the leaders uh and they they would say oh we're continuationists yeah we we still believe that they get, we believe they're rare, but we believe it. So we're not going after we're not going after, you know, healthy right. continuationists. Right. But even in that, it is it is any it, it's in my outside opinion. Well, I'm kind of inside of it. So in my <laughs> in my inside opinion, yeah. I would I would say that there is a that there is a a push from from a large group of Christendom to silence the gifts, to silence the move of the Spirit, to, to discredit God moving today. And I don't know what the goal is. I hear the goal is unto health and unto sound doctrine. And that scares me.
0: Yeah. This is, this is not a new thing. During the first and second great awakenings, you had critics who, in the name of being rational, mm-hmm. Uh, They wanted to silence certain things. God, you know, Romans 8, talking about the spirit bearing witness with our spirit, also talks about the mind of the spirit. Mm. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about praying with one's spirit, praying with one's understanding also. God works with both the affective and the rational aspects of our personality. So what you have, I mean, we should expect when God pours out the spirit, Different gifts. Some gifts are more rational, teaching. Um, The gift of interpretation versus tongues, which is more affective, as as it's described in 1 Corinthians 14. But you you ended up with a dichotomy, uh, especially you had the the East Coast, uh, like Princeton, Mm -hmm. um, ministers who were very trained in rational argumentation, and then you had the frontier evangelists who were winning so many people to Christ. And, you know, the some of the, I mean, you had, you had Jonathan Edwards, obviously he was defending the First Great Awakening right. and saying, okay, the, the manifestations that come with this, they don't tell you whether it's good or bad. Uh, what you need to look at is the fruit. Right. Um, but, you know, you know, his wife was having visions and things yes. like that. But then you had the intellectual critics of it. And because of the critics, I think some of the some of the frontier evangelists who were being criticized made a virtue out of necessity, and so like education is not good because right. it keeps you from being right. open to the spirit and that has continued in characteristics of of um, i guess religious experience in the u s is part of its history where you have this tension and it doesn't need to be there. It wasn't there for John Wesley. It wasn't there for Jonathan Edwards. Uh, so get an Arminian and a Calvinist in there. <laughs> it wasn't there for Augustine. or It wasn't there for Luther or Calvin. I mean, yeah. they talk about this. I mean, about about embracing the text relationally in you know, as part of your relationship with God, experiencing the kind of things that the text talks about, those experiences in the text. So... Um, Calvin wasn't expecting gifts of the Spirit. Well, certain gifts of the Spirit he wasn't expecting in his day. Yeah. But he said, you know, where, where groundbreaking evangelism is going on, it may happen. Right. And and we, we,
1: we, You can't be a cessationist <laughs> and say that.
0: Luther, in, in James, you know, he takes James 5. Right. He prays for Melanchthon. Melanchthon gets healed. So, I mean, but they were reacting against uncritical gullible every every claim to a miracle right. that was going on in their day uh, they were reacting against the apologetic use of miracles to defend catholic claims right and and so they kind of reacted against that but really it became more of a big deal with uh, david hume saying okay we don't have miracles today Therefore, you don't have miracles in the Bible. Those right. things didn't happen. And he says we don't have them today because, you know, he excluded all kinds of evidence. He, if they're not white, they're not good witnesses. If they're not from the Western world, they're not good witnesses. If they say they saw miracles, they're not credible witnesses because we know they must be wrong. <laughs> so, right. um, and, and I think that is has the church. But even in hard cessationist circles that didn't believe in miracles once in a while they happened because god cares about his children and so you you had times when among hard cessationists who didn't believe miracles would happen today maybe there'd be a renewal of them just before the end right Uh, i think uh, cotton believed that but some of some of them they, they didn't believe in miracles today and then during a scripture reading about a paralyzed person getting, getting healed, getting up and walking, somebody in church suddenly gets healed. who hasn't walked for years and starts walking and it's a big deal. And they, they say, how do we explain this? And they say, well, it can't be a miracle. That's what Catholics talk about. We'll call this a special providence of God. Right.
2: Divine providence. Call it whatever you want to.
0: God is still God. Yes.
1: (laughs) I I love this. I, I love this. And you, cause you, uh, you wrote the book "Miracles Today,"
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's a it's a you actually. There's two books, mm-hmm. "Miracles Today," and then you you did a condensed version.
0: No, "The Miracles Today" is the condensed version. Okay, that's the one for everybody because the the 1,100 page one nobody's yeah. going to read. So,
1: well, I, I are you familiar with David Wood? He's yeah yeah Palters. yeah. Oh, I love uh, David. Yeah, I I don't know why, but I've been on David Wood kick uh-huh. for the last few months. And sitting as you watch him uh-huh. share uh, his videos. Uh, sitting on the back of a shelf, right behind is, uh, is is your two book series. I was like, I I liked him. I knew I knew <laughs> I knew I liked him. Um, but you wrote one of the best, in my opinion, and I think any anybody that I've talked to in the spirit filled movement, one of the best um, justifications for miracles today. Yeah, and you you do such an incredible job.
0: And, and ordinary cessationists don't deny miracles today. It's just the really hard cessationists. Because I mean, God can do whatever He wants to, right? <laughs>
1: Okay, just two seconds, and then we'll, okay. I want to get off this rabbit trail. Okay. But define that for people, because we have cessationists on one side that are like, he doesn't speak, he doesn't <laughs> move, uh, there are no miracles, there is nothing divine, and that is actually a large chunk. I, I, really? I, in my opinion, from I, I, would, I would say in the Western church, that's a large chunk, and I would say, I, I don't want to call out names, but I think, and this is me, uh, like the John MacArthur camp and and they they just did a documentary called cessationist mm. right
0: do they do they not believe miracles happen today
1: i i if i had to put my my money on it i would say yes from all of my experience wow. the the book that i was referring to uh was called god doesn't whisper um and john MacArthur wrote the wrote the forward for that. So, and basically the book is he does not speak, he does not do so anything. It really it really hurt my heart. And I and I think that John is an amazing brother. Like watching him on I wa- I grew up watching him on CNN. He would get on and preach the gospel.
0: CNN or CBN?
1: CNN. Like wow. he would get on <laughs> CNN, he would get on, you know, when something when some atrocity happened, they would bring him on as the pastor. That would share, you know, well, what, is, what would God say, and he would preach the gospel. Like I, Amen. I have a lot of respect for that man. He knows the mm-hmm. word better than I will ever know the word. Uh, you know, we disagree, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think his Strange Fire conference was
0: Strange Fire
1: was awful
0: or Strange Ice.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it was awful. Uh, yeah. And I've grow, I grew up listening to a lot of those guys. That being said. I would say that they that they believe, you know, mm-hmm. this this stauncher view of mm-hmm. cessationism, like oh. it God doesn't do this stuff anymore. How can you be call yourself cessationist? And where's this middle ground, right? Let's say separate from the from the rat. He doesn't move, he doesn't speak. It, it is the it is the word.
0: I, obviously, I I love the word. I mean, that's my my calling is to mm-hmm. call the church back to the scriptures. So that's That's my focus actually, but the scriptures teach that we should encourage the gifts and teach us about experience with God, relationship with God. Um, But the cessationists I know are more in academic circles because those are the circles in which I move. And like my friends at Dallas, I mean, so far as my conversations with them, they believe in they don't believe that there's a gift of healing today okay. because they would define that as people always get healed when you pray. Okay. Well, I don't know anybody who where that always happens either. <laughs> no. Yeah, but uh, but they don't deny that God heals people.
1: And they would call themselves a cessationist. Yes, because they don't
0: believe that the gift is there. Okay. And they don't believe the gift of tongues is for today. But I know a. A cessationist who believes there's something kind of tongues-like that God may do, um, and actually, some of the some of the tongues today may not be. Ugh, I don't want to go for it. I don't want to mess okay. people up. We're just having a conversation. <laughs> some of it may not be real tongues, but you know, I, I if would
1: I would say that
0: if it's prayer to God yeah. from your heart, then the Bible also talks about groaning,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so. You know, if it's just groaning, as long as it's from your heart to God, it's good. Um, I do think. Well, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> but I do believe in tongues. I mean, I speak in tongues regularly.
1: So, so. so cessationists, there are there is a group that would say he does miracles, <coughs> right? His divine yeah. providence, right? But it but the, the gift of miraculousism functioning today.
0: Yeah, the gift they would say, and but it's very selective. You know, it's an arbitrary grid imposed on Scripture. Certain gifts, the the miraculous gifts, the ones that you would need supernatural power to do. Teaching, you know, that can still happen today. I don't see any distinction in Scripture between um, what they might call supernatural or spectacular gifts and other kinds of gifts. We need God's grace, I mean god 's grace god's spirit empowers all of them that's mm. true whether you're looking at romans twelve first yeah. corinthians twelve ephesians four uh, you know or first corinthians fourteen twenty six or whatever whatever gift list you're looking at
1: okay uh, my mind is swimming with questions i if you could say one thing and as we end this little discussion if you could say one thing to the To the nar uh apologists to the cessationist the staunch cessationist one one plea to them what what would that be as a brother to a brother
0: yeah and and sister um (laughs) yeah. yeah um for the for the people critiquing nar i would say please be more careful in distinguishing because not everybody you're lumping together holds the same views, and not everybody you're lumping together actually holds, you know, dangerous views. Mm. So, in terms of cessationists in general, I would say remember that this is the era of the spirit,
2: mm.
0: welcome whatever God wants to do in you. I mean, your gift may not be one of these gifts you think is ceased, but right. okay. But welcome whatever God wants to do in you. Be open to that. Don't be scared of that. Mm. You know, if it's God you're seeking, don't be scared, you know, a demon's going to jump in you or something like that. Because, um, I mean, demons can. Well, I do believe in demons too. Yep. But anyway, but Luke eleven thirteen. 13. Uh, in Matthew 7 11, Jesus makes a, a general statement that if you. Um, if, you, if you ask your Heavenly Father for good gifts, He'll give you good gifts. Mm. But Luke 11.13 takes the same saying and, and zeroes in on a particular good gift, the best gift of all, God's own presence. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, God will give you the Holy Spirit. And you see that both individually and corporately. So Acts 1.14 they're praying together. Yeah. Acts 2, the Spirit's poured out. Yeah. Acts 4, they pray together. 431, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, they hear the Samaritans had received the Word of God. They send Peter and John to lay hands on them and pray that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Um, so and I and again in Paul's letters, like Ephesians 3.16 and in Romans 15, 13, is it? Um, in Paul's letters, I mean, he's he's writing to people who've already received the Spirit in some yeah. way, but praying that they'll be empowered by the Spirit. I mean, we, we walk by the Spirit. Our whole life is to be empowered by the Spirit, lived in the light of God's presence. And so it's appropriate for us to pray, like Luke 11, 13, yeah. trusting God hears us and God gives us the Spirit. Yeah. And I mean always to welcome whatever the spirit wants to do in us.
1: Amazing. Uh, Dr. Keener, Craig, um, man, I would not want you to be in the room when I'm preaching. Is it hard for you to sit? No, no. Like, is it hard for you to go to a church on a Sunday morning and listen to bad teaching? It's got to be hard. Well, you got to be sitting there relaxed. It, it, like, it's Oof.
0: it's hard to listen to bad teaching, but it's not always bad teaching. Usually, there's something good you can <laughs> get out of it, um, and and sometimes there's a lot a lot yeah. in, in you. Know, my 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 pastor, uh, where I where I live now is, um, you know, he he's he's a seminary graduate. He yes. handles scripture pretty well. I'm not saying you have to be a seminary graduate to handle yeah, scripture yeah. well, but anyway, uh, but when I was an undergraduate in the Bible College, <clears> that the, the The president of the school, he preached great. The faculty preached great. The seniors preached great. But some of the guest speakers, I didn't find out till later, they were invited just because they were donors. Mm -hmm. So um, some of them, they didn't really know how to handle the Scripture accurately. So when they would start off with a verse, and then they would go off and do whatever they were doing, I would open my, if it was in the New Testament, I'd open my Greek New Testament and just keep reading wherever they left off. Until the Holy Spirit convicted me, I was being disrespectful, yeah. and that there was usually something I could learn from them, even if it was just the first verse they quoted. I but, love it. I love it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's gonna be hard for uh, your senior pastor to see you you sitting out in the.
0: Oh, he does a good job. Um, <laughs> you y- usually, and and Well, <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. But no, I love it. I love it. Once in a while. Yeah. It, but uh, once in a while, it is. Anyway, everybody disagrees on some things once in a while. I'm that. like, oh boy, what commentary did he get that out of? But then uh, usually the Spirit really speaks yeah. through his preaching, so I appreciate oh. that.
1: Well, Dr. Keener, uh, it is a pleasure having you here. So and uh, I know, I know um, this, I hope this won't be the last time. And uh, man, I, I just want to encourage all of you uh, watching uh, to get his books.
0: Well, some of them, like the four-volume Acts commentary, mm-hmm. you may not actually need, but maybe like the Bible Background Commentary New Testament, you know, the 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 ones that are for everybody.
1: I I haven't read it, the Acts. Yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't read it yet, uh, but I need it to make me look smarter than i really am. So that's why that's why i actually have it.
0: There's a, there's a one volume version that's just 700 pages from from Cambridge.
1: Fantastic. Well, um i, I also uh, get your books on logos. Good. Yeah. I I love Good. I love it. Um, i use it to search and i use it to study. I've actually as going into seminary, you you called me up and you you I, I don't know if you remember, but you called me up and said I heard you say you're not a theologian, but I think, I think there's more for you. And you sent me your books. I've bought some of your book. I've bought some more since then. And I've bought some on logos. I love, I love the journey that I'm on because I think I was, when I started, and this was my own fault, Dr. Clark, I traveled with Dr. Clark Mm -hmm. uh, for very early in my, right after I got saved. Mm -hmm. And he was always telling me, you know, to study more. And I was like, why study when we can just perform miracles? Like that was, you know, I was, I was, I was 18, 19, Mm -hmm. you know, I was only saved a few years Mm -hmm. and I've started to see the foundations that he, that he's laid. Mm -hmm. I love it. I'm actually in seminary with, Mm -hmm. with GATS, Global Awakening Theological Seminary. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and I love it. And I do want to say this for a moment because you can get a lot of your books you can buy on logos and
0: And gift and giver and impossible love are also very readable.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I actually reached out to logos personally because I've, it's been a tool that's really helped me on my journey. Um, and I asked them if they would partner with us. So I don't, we don't sell anything here. This, I don't bring people on to share their books, but I, I love championing people that I love. And I actually reached out those of you who are watching this, there's a link down below. If you Use that link if you want to go deeper in the word where you can get uh, Dr. Keener's books as well as a a bunch more. uh, Go click on the link and we've worked out something with them where every time you buy uh, using that link, we're able to give logos to our missionaries and our people on the field that want to go deeper. So uh, like I said, I'm always honest with you guys about everything. I'm not trying to sell you anything, but if it's something that you want to go deeper, it's something that I'm going deeper with. Actually, Heidi, uh, Heidi has logos as well. Um, we were talking about when we were in Israel. Uh, click that link and you can buy some of uh, Dr. Keener's books right there and you can bless some of our missionaries, some of our people on the field who are, who are going deeper in the word and the scripture. So we love logos. Click on the link. Dr. Keener, uh, any closing thoughts as as we end?
0: Well, this might be anticlimactic, but yeah, yeah. I'll just skip it because it would be anticlimactic. Now I'm. Now
1: I want to <laughs> know. Is that no? Like I, uh, please.
0: I disagree with Roland and Heidi. Okay. When they say they're, they're not apostles, I think they. You know, they're not members of the twelve, but I think they're. Break. They're obviously breaking ground for the kingdom. So anyway.
1: They are very.
0: Apostolic, <laughs> but they do deny it. I've I've talked with Roland, and he. Uh, he says, no, I don't call myself an apostle. I'm like, well, I call you one. But anyway, it's.
1: I, I wrote for one of my classes with Rainer. Uh-huh. I wrote a paper uh, on the apostolic. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I ended up, my, in the moment, my, my kind of summary was everyone I know that I would consider to be an apostle or carrying mm-hmm. the apostolic gift Would never call themselves one. Mm.
0: That's that's good.
1: And and that was the sign for me. And there are people, as I've traveled the world, and watched this glorious gospel be going out at a breakneck pace. Yeah. The the men and women that carry it, you'll never most of them you'll never see in a conference. Most of them you'll never see putting out videos. They they are hidden. And they are they are servants, mm-hmm. and they don 't get caught up in the arguments because yeah. they're so busy about the father 's yeah. work yeah. that yeah. they don't care and I get the joy and privilege of meeting some of these people as I travel the world. i'm sure you do as well,
2: yeah,
1: Heidi and Roland uh are two of my greatest heroes, and uh there's a list there's a list of people surprised to tole he's one of our leaders in iris uh-huh. that man blows my mind but as i look at our 500 missionaries around the globe Mm -hmm. almost in every one of our locations almost 80 locations Mm -hmm. there are people there that are so selfless Mm -hmm. so giving so full of love Mm -hmm. they serve Mm -hmm. and uh i get i get to sit here on this side and cheer them on Mm -hmm. and do whatever i can to see them to see them serve and 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 It's funny. Most of them will never get even get involved in the conversation because it's not worth their time. Uh, And man, as I grow deeper in the Lord, I just want to be like the tribe that I serve, you know, and I, I don't know about you, but I've spent so much time thinking about this stuff. I've spent so much time thinking about this stuff instead of actually being about the father's business. This is me personally. Well, the I mem- need you to spend time <laughs> thinking about it so I can be about the Father's business. <laughs> different, different members
0: of the body of Christ yeah, yeah. we work together.
1: Yeah. And, and
0: we, we need each other.
1: So, well, Dr. Keener, Craig,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, thank you so much yeah. for coming and you're welcome here anytime.
0: Well, Thank, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. It's, it's a privilege to be with you.
1: And, and you too can go sit under Doctor Keener at Asbury Theological Seminary if you want for the low low price of I don't know I don't know. <laughs> uh, but and I have
0: some free videos. Yep. I'm saying that right after Will has said that uh, the people who are really doing the work of the kingdom. Don't put out very many videos. No, I'm just kidding. I love
1: it. I love it. No, well, put it out. You have so much incredible stuff. <clears throat> YouTube. I, I listen to your stuff on YouTube all the time. Your stuff on, on women in ministry is is incredible. Um, yeah, so watch away. And uh, listen, we will see you guys. Like, subscribe, share, do all the things you're supposed to do. And we might have done a record. This might be the longest green room we've ever shot. Uh, but love you guys. Share this. And we will see you on the next episode of the Iris Global Green Room.
0: It's long because you prepared